Hello everyone. Uh, welcome back to the fourth episode. I mean, third one if you take the introduction out uh, of the series that I'm co-hosting with James Basit on state of facilities management in Southeast Asia. We are right down to the wire. Last couple of episodes where we are essentially talk, going to talk about having set the sort of context on, on what's the current state of FM in Southeast Asia all the sort of building up the environment of why FM companies need to look at change we really come to the last two three episodes where we are going to talk about the barriers which are more sort of internal versus external and then uh, sort of lay lay down action level framework on what could FM companies look at doing like what sort of a roadmap is really there for them so but before we start the new episode welcome James how are you and would you want to say hello to everyone Thanks, uh, Yumesh, and great to be back. And I can't believe this is the, the fourth uh, podcast that we've had together. So uh, time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely, mate. I think, as I said in the one of the last uh, uh, episodes, that I'm glad that we're keeping it conversational so that it, it really flows in that way. And it has been. And in fact, even though we've, you know, what's been a great surprise is, I, I don't think it's been a surprise, but... We've had people coming back and saying that, you know, they love the content uh, that's being pushed out and we've, we've been able to talk about a few things that, as we said, everyone wants to talk about, but no one's talking about. And we've also got, you know, James, this is this, this must be told, we've also got interest from a couple of other FM companies saying, could you host it for our region as well? We would like to co-host. So that's that's been a, a, a surprise, but I, mean, I wasn't expecting Great it. Great feedback. Yeah, yeah I no, was, I must say that that's really good. Yeah, yeah so I wasn't expecting that, but that probably we must be doing something right, JJ. Right? Exactly, exactly. Let's keep doing it right. Awesome. So let's get on with this episode. JJ, we've, we've set the, the context. We've, set, we've spoken about all that's happening in the FM world across Southeast Asia and you know all the reasons why FM companies should look at changing. In this episode, we really deep, dive deeper into the barriers of the change, but mostly internally. So just to start off, if I were to ask you, James, based on your experience of, of a couple of decades in the region, I mean, almost more than a decade in the region, what do you think are a few of the aspects that act as barriers to change? Mostly internal. You might want to talk about external ones as well, but mostly internal. Yeah, yeah, sure. In fact, I was looking through LinkedIn today and I saw a really cool cartoon and it was just three frames long or short. And the first one was, and it's about change, obviously. And, and the first one was sort of this guy who's in, in, talking in front of a lectern in front of his you know, company employees, probably a couple of hundred of them. And he says, you know, who wants change? And, you know, everyone puts their hand up, right? So it's woo, amazing. And then the next, you know, slide is who wants to change? And then all their hands are going down. And then the final thing he says, you know, who wants to lead the change? And then they've all run away. So I thought that cartoon really sums up what change is about in Southeast Asia and in particular for, for FM. Mm. So really, you know, that, that, is, that is my experience. But, you know, if I wanted to drill down a bit more than that, you know, we all like to talk about the three C's, three P's, whatever it might be. Hmm. I think there are three C's when it comes to barriers to change for, for FM. Hmm. And, and they are culture, comfort and cost. So, you know, if we break down, you know, awesome. what I mean, mean by culture, hmm. you know, the, the culture that I've, that I've experienced in Southeast Asia over the last 10 plus years hmm. is, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know, there's no... 
that's the mentality. There's no need to change because actually it's working fine. Uh, right. But of course, we know that, that, that that's not a good enough reason. The, the other thing is there is this sort of a, I'll tick the box to please my master or you know the head office in the UK or wherever it might be in Europe. Mm. So you know, what, what's happening is there's some stuff being done around this change, mm. but it's really just veneering. So I think you know, that's a bit of the cultural uh, stuff. So there is this inherent skepticism around change and there is change hesitation. So I think change is, is, is the big one. Mm. Then if you go down into comfort, you know, change takes effort. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. And so, you know, the, the real question is that I experience is, well, why do I need to change? Everything works, so therefore, I'm just quite comfortable where things are. Very, very comfortable with the status quo. And, and you know, you mentioned before, is this internal, is external? You know, is it the FM providers or is it the customers? Mm. It is absolutely a mix of both. And I'd love to give you an example later in this podcast, again, about around my experiences around there. And then the other one is around cost, right? So there is this perception that, you know, change costs a lot more. And we've been talking about innovations and technologies. Right. And, and you know, the perception is that comes at it's really, really expensive. Well, uh, maybe five years ago, a lot of the things that we talk about and things that we sort of almost mm -hmm. take for granted now, they're a lot more, you know, affordable. So, mm -hmm. you know, the technology, yes, it does cost. Mm -hmm. But I think the big issue around this cost is, and it sort of ties in with this culture and comfort that I mentioned before. If you expect to keep, you know, the headcount the same and mm. then introduce technology, mm. one plus one equals more than one, right? So you can't just add technology and expect the headcount to stay the same. The idea is that you find the efficiencies, reduce the headcount or whatever the, the model might be, mm. the operating model. So it's really about, you know, getting that right. And to some extent, you know, yes, some of the technology is expensive and, you know, we've, we've spoken about robotics and cobotics before. Right. And for me, you know, the, the, a lot of people say, you know, the robots are too expensive and that, that's, well, well, actually before they say that, they say the labor's too cheap. <laughs> and it's a good point, you know, in some, you know, in India and Thailand, mm. the labor is a lot cheaper than what it might be in Singapore or some right. other Southeast Asian uh, countries. Right. But my view is the robots are, to some extent, still not quite at that cost level where it's a, it's a no-brainer. Mm. So, mm. yeah, that's my sort of take on the, the barriers of entry for FM change around technology, innovation, etc. Super cool, man. I like the three C's model that you spoke about. And, and just to pick uh, sort of pick up on the culture point that you mentioned, right, where you said if it's not broken, don't fix it or don't, don't try to improvise it. Just conscious, did you see, have you seen this or do you think that it's it's relevant sort of across the the board or you have examples of where probably uh, some other countries or culturally don't do that they they just want to innovate and, and be ahead of the curve versus what we are seeing in southeast asia yeah so the example i'm not going to say which company but you know, a few hmm. years ago we won a a regional contract for for you know the full range of fm services right the the the, the, the head office was in europe you know, it was sort of a, a procurement-led, global procurement-led exercise, mm. and then it rolled, rolled down into Asia and the Middle East. Right. Now, some countries, and by the way, it went, in essence, that the, the contracting model went from being a very traditional, pure headcount mm. in commercial model to one being based on, you know, performance and output-based contracting with, right. a, with a more advanced commercial model. Mm. When, when it came to the introduction into India, 
and mm. Thailand, mm. not only did the service provider, in this case, sort of resist the change locally, mm. the customer also locally was in full just, agreement. We, mm. we we just don't want to do this. You know, it's all too hard. Don't know how to do it. Um, so therefore, let's agree between <laughs> both of us that this mm. is the way we're going to run it, i.e. the status quo, stay in the comfort zone. Mm. Now, and, and that actually worked locally for a year. But the issue was, of course, that the, the customer was getting a double digit saving, right, for keeping mm. things the same. And that obviously had some impacts for the service provider. So it took about two years mm. to convince um, both the, 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 the customer and the service provider that it had to flip towards to what was the signed agreement, which was this, you know, new, more efficient way of, you know, providing FM services with a mix of technology, people, data, and so on. So that 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 is a real example, you know, and that happened just mm. you know a couple of years ago. So, and there were some countries in 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 Southeast Asia where they adopted mm. the, the the model, not necessarily with open arms, but they they nevertheless applied it on day one and you know worked their way through how to actually make it work. So you know th this is very very real. It doesn't even if you have the right solution and mm. you've got a you know a signed contract mm. that does not automatically mean you know you're going to reach you know, through. Utopia. Yeah. yeah. Now makes sense. When it makes sense. That's a that's a that's a good point. And and it just kind of brings me to think about it. I mean, we always whenever we are referring. I mean, it's, it's you know whenever we are always referring about innovation, we always think that a global player will bring in innovation. I mean, wouldn't it be great to see a local player taking the lead? Like someone locally from, from Thailand, India, like a company taking a lead and trying to do something different. I mean, would love to see that, isn't it? But obviously there are no, no examples of it. I think, well, I, mean, I think there are always pockets of, of excellence, mm. so we, we can't ignore there, there. There would be some good examples, but you know that that means that the other ninety nine percent are doing something which is not so exciting. So yeah, I think you know th there is a role certainly for for us as service providers, and particularly you know where, where this really can make a change is you know, as we did the solutions managers, the business development managers, they all really do have a, a role to play. So even if the customer isn't necessarily aware of what is, you know, what does you know the best outsourcing commercial model and look look and feel like, there, there certainly are FM providers with the expertise to, to show them the way. So it's to some extent, um, you know, it really does come down to the service provider to to push this. It's not going to be a pull from the customer necessarily. And we, we spoke about, you know, some governments before in previous episodes right. that are really making that a natural part of the outsourcing process. That, mm. that, that is actually the best way is where the customer says, you must do this. You know, you have to provide this technology, this type of data, these mm. levels of efficiency. It mm. in essence forces the service providers to, to make that change whether they want to or not. And if they don't, well then, you know, they're going to be left behind. Mm. But, you know, I think the other the other challenge is, uh, Yumesh, around making sure that you don't just put technology in you know a solution just because it sounds good mm. you, you know you have to really understand the customer needs make sure that your solution meets those needs when that happens that's when you are providing value to the customer and you know magic happens and, and that's when it, it's also sustainable otherwise it's as you said it's, it's going to be a one-off case of, of doing something you made a very important point, JJ, a while back, where you said that people who are in the role of solutions or business development, right? 
so i i mean do they play do they have a, a sort of a pivotal role in all of this i mean i mean you you did do mention that they they probably can talk about different models they can help the customer see uh, different models and the benefits but what i'm really alluding to is that does that function or role within fm really have a transformative capability yeah and you know transformation doesn't happen just through one person or one role Hmm. And so ultimately you do have to have an organization that is supportive of this transformation so i, I think it's beyond just those roles but in essence that's where it happens you know but, but they could be influencers right i mean they could be key influencers yeah exactly very strong influencers both hmm. internally within uh, their own organization and of course with externally uh, you know, yeah exactly yeah Awesome, and that leads me to another role that's that's of I mean, and I'll I'll quote an example. Uh, the first time when I went to Middle East, I was uh, called in by an FM when they were trying to rebuild for a for a site, right? And they they wanted us, they wanted our technology and 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 sort of see what benefits could be done, so on and so forth. But when when I look when I, when I interacted with the FM, the facility manager in charge over there, sort of. there was a very neutral body language and i didn't see a lot of exuberance and 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 stuff so coming back to to that i mean as a question and see you've worked with a lot of people who've been handling contracts at the facility level what role does facility managers play over here they obviously are a, a, a sort of a link between the customer and the the corporate as 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 you would say or let's say the portfolio head as you would say but what role do fm facility managers play over here do they once they are actually leading their existing contract through the business as usual scenario do they start to sow in seeds of change i mean the the fm managers are the the people who bring this to life you know they bring the the, the mm-hmm. business development manager the solution manager mm-hmm. uh, the whole operating manual operating model to life so that they the the key but what i would say is they generally are uh more followers than 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 leaders so mm. that they you know a good in particular in southeast asia a good fm manager will really grasp what was sold to the to, to the customer mm. and 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 help bring that to life over the mm. you know the, the the transition and mobilization period and then obviously into the the contract term mm. so there's no doubt that um you know the role of the fm player has been changing over the last few years because mm. um some extent i think you know when i first came to southeast asia 10 years ago it was all about sort of the fm manager yes brings the contract to life mm. and that's all that was expected that you reach you know the the slas and kpis so so if I'm, if i'm understanding you correctly you're saying that the mm. in the previous incarnation all that was expected of fm is to make sure that the contract is running smoothly nothing else yeah 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 whereas now the expectation hmm. if you just do that that is not really enough for a mature customer to say you know what i want to hmm. keep doing business with you hmm. the, the, the fm manager as well as you know the solutions bd roles hmm. the operational excellence functions within organizations they all play a collective role around mm-hmm. making sure that uh, they can continue to provide and implement the best practice the best technology innovation to the customers so there is this it's not just a static thing mm-hmm. it's an ongoing relationship that is continually evolving and ultimately continuing to provide continuing to provide efficiencies uh, to the customers which becomes really really important now as 
you know, budgets of our customers are being squeezed in a lot of sectors, a lot of countries mm. due to the pandemic. Mm. So, you know, you know, when you talk about the resistance to change, there are a number of you know gates that are opening as well to to support the change because the comfort zone is getting a lot a, a little bit uncomfortable through these financial and budget pressures and, and constraints. So that's one of the C's that you spoke about, comfort. Now, uh, that's that's obviously now that people are slightly getting into the uncomfortable position, they probably might just take a, a deeper view on, on change. Make sense? 